My name is David Yun, and welcome to my viewfinder. This is a podcast where I speak to photographers about why they shoot as opposed to what they shoot with. My hope is to produce inspiring content to get you out there looking at the world creatively. Each episode will end in a thought or project to help bring this to the fore, so make sure you get to the end and uh, interact with me. If you're interested in continuing this project with me, you can help me out by clicking subscribe uh, and leaving me a review on your podcast platform of choice. You can also find me on Instagram at my viewfinder podcast. Uh, I'm on Twitter at MVF podcast, or you can email me directly at mvfpodcast at gmail.com. In this, the second part of my chat with Greg Gerlo, we discuss his photography triangle, the photographer, the subject, and the view. Working to show the subject in their best light, but also working to understand the audience and their reaction. The reaction is never wrong, even when we don't like listening to it. Putting our work into the public is willingly engaging with them to elicit a reaction. When we are open to this conversation, we can grow as artists, and as people too. Any reaction is better than no reaction, and our reaction to said reaction can determine if and when we grow. That's a lot of reactions. I wonder how many reactions are too many reactions. I'll stop talking so Greg can get going, and I'll be back to chat about what we might think of next after this thought-provoking talk. Do you have a favorite person and why? Well, my mom, without a doubt. Um, well, I mean, strong, single mom, raised two kids, encouraged me. So family-wise, my mom, I'll tell you, um, gush a little bit. Um, my favorite non-family person, I think, is George Weber. I don't know. Have you talked? You've talked to him. Yes. And he, to me, is, well... I mean, he's a great photographer. He's a terrific person. You know, he's so smart and he does such good work and he's so humble. Um, and I think I would encourage anybody, if you're listening, to look at his work. He's got several books out. He oftentimes, you know, will do talks and exhibitions. I think he's a reviewer, portfolio reviewer at the at Exposure this year. But yeah, he's, I think, a really great guy. Good, talented, super talented, but but good in all aspects too. So he's a, also a favorite person of mine. Yeah, he's he's great. I um, like you. I I, uh, I interviewed him, and he's just such a balanced. He's just looking for balance. Oh yeah, it's fascinating to watch uh, or to partake in. I should say. Absolutely. <laughs> I always I always feel better after either chatting with him or meeting with him or looking at his work. So yeah, absolutely. My viewfinder is a proud member of the Alberta Podcast Network locally grown, community supported. If you're looking for more Albertan podcast content, check out their website, albertapodcastnetwork.com. If you're looking for other Alberta-owned content, check out the Dave Berta podcast. Dave Cunorier is an award-winning writer, podcaster, and communications professional based in Edmonton, Alberta. His podcast focuses on current affairs in the state of our province's government, a topic I think we're all sensitive about. Check his work out wherever you podcast, or you can find him at daveberta.ca, that's D-A-V-E-B-E-R-T-A dot C-A, and of course you can find his and a whole slew of Alberta-based podcast content at albertapodcastnetwork.com.
I mean, we are, of course, living in a new epoch uh, in the middle of a pandemic, um, potentially the beginning of a, of a generation of pandemics. Who knows what the future has in store? But um, what has that been like for you as a photographer? What, what kind of new pressures? And, uh, you know, so we're talking about a balanced diet and being open to everything. But uh, fundamentally, our experience of the world has changed. So um What's your thoughts about uh, how has that affected you and photography as you see it? Well, it's been another challenge. And, uh, you know, I think we're now in January, we're eight or nine months into this. And again, I'm going to throw this word out, which is such a cliche, but bear with me. It's unprecedented um, and it has an effect on everything that people do in their daily lives. And as a photographer specifically, it's done the same thing. You know, we have severe limitations about interacting with other people. Uh, and when it is allowed, it's uh, it has to be done under these conditions that make it very difficult to connect and associate the way that we used to. From wearing a mask to social distance to some places at certain times not even being allowed to, you know, to leave the house. So for a creative person, again, this is personal, I can't stop, I can't stop taking pictures. So the, the silver lining has been the ability for me to um, engage in this practice in a very solo situation. So in the past, you know, maybe shooting a commercial job where you've got a makeup artist and a wardrobe stylist and you have models and art directors and assistant, it's a very social process. And now, I mean, I, I, I'm probably, and I'll use the word, I've been forced to be a little more antisocial than normal because I, like I said, I'm looking after my mom who's elderly, so I have to be extremely careful about my actions. Um, the silver lining to that has been this really great ability to, to work from the inside out. And, and like we talk about going for a walk, you know, down by the river or, you know, uh, down back alleys or abandoned, you know, streets or quiet streets where the creative process is just me and whatever I'm seeing. And I love that. Um, I'm feeling now that it's getting to the point where it's a little unbalanced. I need to either take a picture of a person or work with somebody who also is involved in their creative process, whether it's a model or a, or a, 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 a a makeup artist um, and I, I'm getting to the point now where I'm really gonna have to make a very careful effort to you know to just go out and photograph somebody or work on a project with somebody where it's this combined effort to us you know to the the common goal but um, up to and in, up to this point it's been it's been a really nice thing to just put some music in my head headphones on and my camera and just go, you know, walk a trail or walk a, a street and let that process happen. And I think it's probably the same for everybody. And, and you know, even even the students that I'm teaching, you know, we're, we're uh, teaching online. So that physical um, interaction is non-existent. And I think we're social people, human beings are social. And again, some more social than others. But I think everybody um, has suffered to some degree by not being able to do this. It, you know, it's like, I guess you can look at it again like a challenge that, you know, this is one of our challenges that we have to uh, go through. And when you come out the other end, 
it's really important to find the silver lining. It's there and it might be a little bit different for everybody, but you know, for me, it's just a way to, again, I think really internalize my creative process. Would I have done it if there wasn't a pandemic? I don't know, but I have done it and I've liked the results. You know, it's just sort of taught me to, to again, slow down and, and allow my creative process to be more internal. But yeah, having said that, I miss, um, I miss my creative peeps. <laughs> yeah, I like to call this period a bit of a value checking exercise. And I think- oh, that's a good, yeah, that's a good term. It's uh, unsurprising, I think, learning a little bit, a little bit about you that it would uh, take a creative tone for you because it sounds like even from your first experience of photography that there's something maybe even intuitive or spiritual. I, I have found, I mean, my main focus has been on my health, but I have found like with this podcast and taking pictures and I was burning out uh, before COVID in, in a manner of speaking. And as soon as uh, we were allowed to go back outside, you know, I, I, uh, I found myself with my camera in hand. Uh, this podcast has helped a lot too, just speaking to creatives who are struggling. Uh, I don't know, like, do, do artists need an audience? Uh, we definitely need interaction. Um, you know, how is that, uh, you know, how, how is that going? <laughs> I, I, you know, it's funny that you mentioned that because I think ever since, you know, the first, maybe it was the first caveman, you know, painting the bison on the wall, we need an audience. Now, you can probably ask 10 artists and 10 of them will say, I don't care what people think of my work, I do it for myself. And there's an element of truth to that, but there's nothing better than either getting published or putting it on a gallery wall or, or even an Instagram to some degree, having people push the little heart button. Like we need that. That's part of you know why we do what we do. And so I think that, that uh, I think value adjustment, that phrase that you use is perfect because, and again, it, you know, it's when we come out the other end of this pandemic, I think we will have a new appreciation or maybe we will value that interaction and it can be a creative interaction between, you know, like I say, a, a subject and a photographer, or it can be the interaction between the gallery viewer uh, looking at our work and that's really important and and it's i think it's suffering now just because of the situation so when you know when we are able to get together at least for me i think i'll value it in a much different way i always again think of being a photographer or an artist i always talk of this triangle and there's three points to the triangle one point is the photographer the other point is the subject and the third point is the viewer um, and we need to make those connections to complete that shape. And if we just think about the viewer and we don't engage with our subject, the photo fails. Or if we just think about the photographer and the subject and we don't think about the viewer, the photo fails. So we need to tie those three things in, in my mind, to make a successful picture. And um, that's a challenge now, you know, that, you know, whether it's a live subject or a, a live exhibition, um, those things are suffering right now. And, you know, there's nothing we can do about it, but the good thing is, and it's like you say, that, that we'll have that, hopefully that, that adjustment to what we value, um, you know, just a, 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 a rejig 
so that we can really appreciate those other two things, whether it's a, a live subject or, you know, having an interaction with the viewer of our work. I think it's those are really important things. It is, it's a great lead. I was going to ask you uh, sort of sort of a f philosophical uh, uh, tangent, but I think it's funny that you brought this up uh, in the, uh, it's such a photographer sense, uh, the exposure triangle uh, metaphor, but... <laughs> <laughs> I didn't think of it, but it's true, uh, isn't it? Yeah. You know, I, I get caught up with this idea of the value of photograph to the photographer, to the subject, to the audience. Your work uh, that I've, I mean, I'm fairly new in this game, but I've seen uh, I, none of your commercial work except what you've posted on social media, but I've been to a few of your shows and there are a lot of uh, very, very different varying themes, which I love. Um, and there is also this weird, it's a very North American thing where the feedback loop is a little tainted by being polite, etc. But what has your experience been as far as um, aligning these things, you know, um, how your subjects experience the, the event, if they're human beings, um, how you experience or what you intend for the photograph to mean and how the audience experiences it. I mean, do they, like, what does it mean to have a connection between those three uh points yeah. well the connection is really important and i think uh to me sometimes what you expect is not the result and and uh it that is always i think in a way difficult um you know either the process between the the photographer and if it's a live subject you know you need to create this connection and that symbiosis of creativity, how much you control and how much the subject controls, that's a sliding scale. Um, and the viewer, you know, you can do a, an, an image and have it either, you know, have the, the, the audience react in either a way you didn't expect or didn't anticipate. Um, and at first, that's a jarring situation. You know, you do a shot and somebody gets a completely different uh, meaning or experience from it than what your intention was. But it's really, it's a really important thing, that jar. Um, sorry, I forgot. I totally lost track of what the question was. Is it important? It is, but, but it's in a way it's, it's, there's a certain element that you can't control. I think, uh, and again, this is philosophical, is that the only thing I can control is either what I do or, or my response or my actions. Um, I can't control how people read uh, my work, but I can't disregard it either. So I think you need to start out being uh, true to what you do. And I try to do this. I try to take a picture that pleases me in the hopes that it will please the viewer. And I know that sometimes that doesn't happen, but I, <clears throat> I think, you know, and, and again, I'm sure I'm, you know, I'm bringing this information from somewhere else that I've heard it where somebody at some point said, a bad reaction is better than no reaction. Um, so the work that I do and, and some of the subject matter that I chose to, to, to shoot, like, you know, an example is figure work shooting the figure the nude figure is a really strong subject and people have a strong reaction to it either they like it or they don't like it and you the reaction is never wrong people don't have a wrong reaction um, 
they may misinterpret or they may approach it from a different place than you did, but their reaction is valid. And I think, uh, and I believe that it's good to elicit a response rather than not. And that to me would be if people, if people had no reaction to my work, um, that would be a signal to me that I need to change what I'm doing. And, and if I was honest with myself, then maybe I would see that I, I'm not really doing anything that's pushing a boundary or allowing people to see something in a different way or to have an experience that's an emotional experience that, that I did when I took it. Um, if I'm not getting that, that's on me. But I think the artist, you know, we like, again, it's sort of what I said before, we, you know, you hear them say, I would take a picture or painting no matter what. I don't care if people like it or not. I don't know that that's true. I care if people like my work or don't like my work, but I, I hate it when there's no response. Having an adverse reaction to your work is, I think, especially if it's, if it's uh, um, widespread. If one person doesn't like it, that's one thing. But if, if the majority of people either don't like it or, or have a, this visceral response, that to me is, again, a way for you to look back inside and say, what am I, you know, why, why is that disconnect there between me and my viewer? And is it a good disconnect? Is that what I'm trying to do? Because, you know, photography specifically and art in general can shock people. There's nothing wrong with that. That can be a good thing. Um, as long as it's not done just for its own sake. That it, that's where the power lies, you know, um, in either making people talk, you know, and I've had plenty of discussions with people who, you know, maybe they're offended by nudity and, and that's, they're valid to have that feel, but we can talk about it and say, why is this? And maybe, well, hopefully I learn from what they have to say and hopefully they learn from what I have to say. It doesn't mean we have to come to an agreement, but it broadens your scope of what you can anticipate a viewer or viewers, what their reaction might be. And that just makes you a better photographer. You don't have to stop doing what you do but you do it with more knowledge because of the viewer and because of the feedback. And I would rather somebody say, I hate this photo and here's why, than somebody go, yeah, it's okay. You know, so, so yeah, I think, I think that that's really, really important. Do you think, I mean, you have such a tempered approach to all this stuff. Is this something that you felt you've always been like, or has this taken some time to develop, uh, you know, when you were younger and just starting out? <laughs> it, you know, and, and again, I mean, not just from the creative standpoint, but as a young person, you're never wrong. People, you know, it's their fault. They're, you know, either they're not looking at it right or it's their fault. And absolutely that changes. And it changes in a great way because I think as you get older, you have more experience, your ability to understand things outside yourself grows. And um, that's great. But the other thing is, is you also become a lot more either confident or self-assured um, in what you're doing. And, and again, there's that balance again. So it's a case of I'm, you know, as I get older, I've learned a lot. I have a lot of experience. I know a lot of things. But as I get older, I also realize I don't know everything, right? And I think as a young person, um, and this is natural for everybody, that you, you know, in your teenage years and early 20s, you, you know it all. You're a know-it-all. 
that's where that phrase comes from and, and everybody experiences that and so that's the benefit of i think of age is though that sort of twofold thing you learn that you don't know everything but you also learn that you know a lot <laughs> so yeah that's how i would approach that yeah I, I don't know i'm just thinking too when you spoke earlier of, uh, and and not as an indictment of, of the many professionals or artists you've met but perhaps there's something in that that uh, explains or gives us a sense of burnout i um i mean there are also going to be uh, a small group of people that you know that have quote unquote made it to the end of their career you know i have had what we might term a successful career in both art or commercial photography. Do you find in those relationships that it tends to be a certain personality type or approach that can make the long run, or, or is it is it really pretty random and, and there's characters on both ends? It's yeah, random. I think it, it, it can. Everybody will have a different story, um, but I think the common thing, and and if I was to give advice, it would be to be true to yourself. You know, your actions should be motivated by what you want and not what other people's expectations are. So that may, like I think about when you were just talking about that, I think about uh, photographer uh, Cartier-Bresson, who at the end of his life and certainly his career shifted from photography. And he, you know, he always painted and, and, and drew, but at a point, you know, after his photo career, he went back to doing that and didn't take pictures. And I, I think that's great. Um, but, you know, there's other people like Avedon or Steichen who shot till the day they died, literally. Avedon was working on a campaign for Levi's, you know, when he passed away in his, I think, early 80s or late 70s. So there are people who I admire, who I think are ex extraordinary artists where their photography came to an end. And, and you know, again, something that I tell my students and, and I like to practice myself, um, sometimes you need to put the camera down. And if you don't, that's when you run into that burnout thing. But if you can say, you know what, I'm just either I'm not creative, I don't feel creative, or I don't want to take pictures, honor that. And you can put your camera down. It doesn't mean it's ended. But sometimes those breaks not only are good, but they're necessary. So I think a lot of times, and again, it comes from, our, I think, our, our culture where we have to, you know, produce, produce, produce. And whether that's art or, you know, going to your job in an office building every day, there's this expectation. And oftentimes those external expectations aren't healthy. You know, they don't, they're not put in place to make your life better. They're put in place either to gratify somebody else or make somebody else feel better or make more or whatever it is. And I think that it's, it's really important to make that decision yourself and not allow other people to make it. So it's hard because when you do either step away from that commercial arena or you do put the camera down or you change direction, Sometimes people, their first thought is, well, what happened? What's wrong? Like, it's a bad thing. And it doesn't, that's usually not the case. Again, if you're true to yourself, you're like, oh, no, this is, you know, putting my camera in the closet for a month or weeks or whatever it is, was the best thing I ever did. Um, because then you can either go back to it or you find a new way to express yourself. 
and you start over again. Um, and you, you, you're able to replay that, but with a different process or a different medium, really important. So the expectation can be very dangerous if you don't, you know, if you're not true to yourself, but I, I would never, hopefully I would never be critical of somebody who said, I just needed to stop. That's, that's a really valid thing to say and to do. Yeah. I, um, yeah, I, this comes up too often, probably every episode that I get branded often, you know, a communist or socialist, but I agree with you. You know, what resonates with me is, um, this external pressure to produce in this in- industrial uh, way. I, I wonder if that's where, especially for starting out quote unquote art photographers, this, uh, paradigm of the commercial photographer becomes so evil, <laughs> this like sellout mentality, but no, I, I suppose that's not the case at all, is it? I um, it doesn't need to be, I guess. It doesn't need to be, and and you know, I I, and again, I you know, depending on what day you ask me, I would probably have a different opinion of the the commercial world, and you know, our society is is all about consumerism. You know, most of what we experience, whether it's the internet or social media or TV, is literally focused on consuming. And that can be products or things or food or a lifestyle. Um, And that, again, in a vacuum is really unhealthy. But uh, at the same time, um, it can be marvelous. Like I love, you know, I love new things. Technology, advancements, it's great. I really, really love that. But there's so much more to life. And I think that's where the disconnect is. And again, even coming back to this pandemic, Um, I think it's allowed us or maybe forced us even to a small degree to learn that 100% of our life isn't defined by those things. I, you know, a funny story. And again, this sort of speaks to this kind of dichotomy of my feelings are, you know, flyers in the mail, you know, for grocery stores or, or whatever it is. And people putting those stickers, no junk, they called it junk mail. And yes, it's unsolicited material, but I photographed for those things. I shot bags of peas for Superstore and, you know, running shoes for, you know, for the sports stores. And so that media was my livelihood. So in a way, I'm like, yeah, no more junk mail. You know, it's too much trees and it's just clogging up. But the other half of me is saying, but that's part of how I earn a living. Um, and I, I don't know how to reconcile that. Like I say, one day I'm against it. And the other day I'm like, I'm for it. I guess moderation is maybe the word and learning that if I need a pair of shoes, I would like some ability to either research or see what's out there, what's available hear what people, you know, what's on sale. Um, but at the same time, you know, I also need to be able to get away from that <laughs> because it's a pretty, again, it's a very shallow part of what a person's existence should be. Yeah, uh, uh, a phrase came to mind, uh, you know, people are looking for a hill to die on, I guess. Uh, when I was talking, I interviewed Donna and she, uh, Donna Schwartz, and she brought up uh, her research sort of infiltrating uh, a particular city's uh, photographic community. And an interesting thing that she brought up was that 
it tended to be these sort of camera club people, the hobbyists that had the strongest opinions about what is real and what is not real photography, quote unquote, like uh, authentic. And she also brought up this idea that I guess modern fine art, I, I've always had a bit of a bone to pick about what contemporary art is that we, uh, you know, essentially that we need to force or to structure a narrative for it to have value. Uh, that it's sort of a bygone era where you could have a single, like an auteur, you could have a single photograph that changes the world um, or a single painting that would, you know, end a war or whatever it is. Uh, you know, it's, I think it kind of sums up everything we're talking about. I mean, is is that an important part of being an artist, being a photographer, is that we need to... You know, I was just talking to Eric Donovan. He brought up a, a, a book that talked about how we need to create fictions, that we need to create stories in order to survive as a society. I uh, 100% agree with that. I think storytelling is what makes us human. Um, and again, it's you go back to you know, the cave people sitting around a campfire, verbalizing it or, or painting it on the walls, writers doing novels and, and painters painting and photographers taking photographs. That's really what it comes down to. We tell stories. And the great thing is, is that everything that makes a good campfire story or everything that makes a masterpiece in the storytelling of a painting, it's all the same. Music, painting, photography, writing, all of those elements that make a good story are identical no matter how you tell it. And that's crucial. And I think this there is an, an, uh, an element of elevation, sort of that highbrow art critic, you know, those certain galleries. We can learn from those people, those critics, and they're, they're, a lot of what they say is smart, but I've gotten just as much uh, I've learned just as much maybe reading a, an artist statement or, or a critique on an exhibition as I have from listening to a six-year-old who's looking at something, saying why they like it. Both of those are super valid and they should not exist, I think, without the other. And again, here we're back at that, that seesaw is that we can learn as much from a hobbyist or a, you know, a six-year-old as we can from you know, a doctorate artistic critic. Um, and we should, we should seek both of those out because it will, again, it will add, doesn't mean you have to agree with them. I've rolled my eyes at a lot of artist statements, I'll tell you. <laughs> but there's certain, certainly a, 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 a value there. There's a value no matter who. And I think that's the, the responsibility of the artist. If you, if you put a piece of your work up on the wall or you put it on social media, you have a responsibility to listen to what everybody says. You can't, you don't have to agree with what everybody says, but I think you have to hear what everybody says. My final thought on that is, do you, can we get, how do we elicit a balanced response from the audience? Uh, you know, I mentioned earlier, so I have a friend from uh, the Netherlands and he said, uh, the two things that irritate him the most is uh, he doesn't understand why we can turn right on a, on a red. He thinks that's the worst thing ever. Because, uh, you know, it's just it's such a stressful situation because you're always in danger. And the other thing is, uh, culturally, you know, the Dutch are uh, famous uh, among, I think Belgians do this too, where their language is structured around just telling people exactly what they think and then and then just working it out. 
Whereas the North American, you know, I, I don't know if it's the puritanical Christian, you know, influence, but we will do the opposite. People will go out of their way to not reveal how they really feel. Really interesting. How have you been feeling as far as uh, getting that feedback? Because I agree with you. I think getting both sides of the story is super important. But um, like when I produce my magazine, when I have this podcast, when I've had my little shows, I don't get to hear people tell me why they hate it. They, I just hear people either, like you said, the worst is they are completely ambivalent uh, or they pat you on the back and tell you that everything's going to be okay. Uh, how, <laughs> how have you been able to get that full conversation or is that something you can even control uh well i think parts of it you can control but only the internal parts so people um will say whatever they have to say and either they'll be clear or they'll camouflage what they're trying to say like you talk about and either they'll be positive or they'll be negative and like i say i think listening to it helps you to deepen maybe what your creative process will be going forward but when it all comes down to it you have to be again i'll say it again you have to be true to yourself um don't take a picture and it's hard and again you know i say this but i probably don't practice it as often or as much as i should i take you know i put post a picture on instagram and i want the likes i want people to like it and, and that's maybe that's the, uh, the poison in social media. Um, because if I like it, that's the most important thing. And if not everybody does, well, maybe that's an opportunity for me to, to find out why. And then to incorporate that into my process. Or, well, I, I mean, it's really hard. And again, I think every person is different um, every creator is different and every audience member is different and that interaction between them is different. But I think the very first thing you need to do is to be honest and true to yourself. You have to have respect um, for either who or what you're taking photographs of and you equally have to have respect to the people who are looking at it. I mean, you put it out there. So it's not fair to suddenly disregard something that somebody says because you don't agree with it. Um, you have to not agree with it, but you have to allow them to voice their opinion. And maybe it, I mean, it might be an exercise, maybe that if somebody is not um, clear when they're talking about your work, push them a little. Ask them why and, and do it in a way that keeps the door open, not so that you can argue with them or shut them down or call them stupid, but so that you can both uh, maybe grow from that conversation. Um, it's hard though. We have egos. All of us do. I have an ego. I, don't, I want everybody to love my work and think it's the greatest, but that's not realistic. Um, not even for me. I don't even think everything I do is great. But again, it's that maybe that social aspect of getting that feedback is an opportunity for us to, to learn and for us to educate. And that's what that feedback is or what it could be. So, yeah, I think, like I said, I think you have that control um, of how you uh, accept feedback. It's also your responsibility to, you know, to, to talk about what you do and why you do it. And if you've made a mistake, you can you can fix it. 
And, and maybe it's the same for somebody else who, who didn't understand your work through that conversation. They take a new understanding. They go, oh, okay, now I can look at everything in a different way with, you know, maybe a, a broader scope than I did. Um, and I think that that's really important. I, uh, I befriended a painter at a coffee shop, uh, Bob Pierce, and he said uh, one of the biggest uh, negative effects that happened in Calgary was I think there used to be a, a prominent art critic that used to write for a newspaper, but when she retired, nobody took her place. And, uh, and this sort of balancing voice disappeared from the art scene in Calgary. Um, but it just reminded me of, of that conversation because... Yeah, I, I guess that's, you know, again, the, the word critic has such a negative connotation in modern times, uh, but maybe that's what it's for. Like the, uh, I, I think I met with you first at the portfolio review a couple of years ago, but, you know, having seen some shows and kind of bumping into you, but something like that, where there's a, an environment where it's encouraged to get criticism, but it, it is a, an interesting thing you bring up by the ego, <laughs> um, you know, determining my motivation of posting anything even having a show <laughs> yeah and, and i mean it's it's tough because you know we i think artists have this ironic need to be accepted or to exhibit what they do but they're very fragile when it comes to people's reaction to it and uh i don't know if that will ever change i think those that's just the nature of being an artist but you know, uh, I think, like I said before, I think the best thing that you can do is is create an opportunity for somebody to tell you what they think about your work and then listen to what they say. And, and maybe there's a conversation that happens after that, which should be great. You know, and, and critics, I think people, they hate critics if they don't get a favorable review. They think they're smart if they do get a favorable review, but um, it's, I think it's an important aspect, but a critic doesn't have to be a learned, you know, adult. They, a lot of them are, they have, you know, experience in education, but um, art can be really emotional, you know, and, and the thing I like about, I mentioned the little kids talking about work, they just tell you what they're thinking. They have, they've not yet, um, you know, develop the ability to pussyfoot around. They just tell you what they think. And it's not, they're not trying to be mean if they don't like it, it's just how they feel. And I think those honest expressions are really, really great. So yeah, listen to them all, the big kids and the little ones. Uh, we need more little kids at galleries. <laughs> absolutely. Well, and I think, you know, that, you know, that's absolutely true. Uh, you know, uh, the galleries and the art world I think it's some, you know, certainly, you know, two or three decades ago was a very um, elite thing and people felt intimidated. And this is, I think, one of the benefits of social media is it's allowed people to um, look at art, if you will, um, in the comfort of... If you could tell the world one thing, what would it be? Oh, um, be curious. I think, yeah, it shows... Um, it's the way you learn, I guess, is to be curious. And I don't know, compassionate, I guess. We're not seeing a lot of that nowadays. That's important. I think those two things are really great motivators for experiencing life, curiosity and compassion. I think they go hand in hand, frankly. Yeah, I think so too, absolutely. Awesome. 
It's Thank been you. fun. Yeah, it was See, great. Here, I, you know, we're at, what, a little over an hour, and I thought uh, we were going to run out of things to say. <laughs> we didn't, so that's good. Here's another message from one of our two sponsors today. This episode of My Viewfinder is brought to you by the Calgary Foundation, proudly supporting community needs for 65 years. Empathy, kindness, generosity. We are united in our desire to give, to inspire hope, and transform the lives of people who are struggling in turbulent times. And the Calgary Foundation is here to help. From mental health programs to environmental causes, the Community Knowledge Center website features profiles of charitable organizations, all searchable by area of interest. Be inspired by compelling stories. Be informed of innovative work. Be responsive to the needs. To connect to hundreds of outstanding charitable organizations serving our community, visit ckc.calgaryfoundation.org. To learn more about Calgary Foundation, visit calgaryfoundation.org. So, bearing in mind Greg's triangle, the art form itself, the subject matter, and the audience, let's take a moment to look at our own published work. Whether it's on social media, in a show, or in a magazine or a book, have we engaged in a conversation with our audience? Can we objectively say that we cast the best light on our subject, even if that didn't result in that glamour? Are we continually searching for new methods to engage in these processes? For my part, I've struggled with both the subject and audience aspect. I'd like to suggest that I'm open for criticism and that I have the best intentions when I photograph anything, but I can't say for sure. It's an ethical problem in candid street photography. It's a difficult conversation on social media and our cultural norms of being polite put a barrier in engaging in critical conversations. Uh, never mind our ego and emotional sensitivity. Perhaps my suggestion this week is to find peers and other artists you respect. It's probably a big ask to suggest you form a collective, at least right away, but surrounding yourselves with artists you admire, who then can be encouraged to mentor you through constructive criticism, may be the only way we can continue to grow in this practice. Do you have an opinion that might surprise people? Yeah, I like Nickelback. Oh no. <laughs> See, there, I just surprised you. I think they're good. I like them. That's great. <laughs> I'll just, I'll leave it at that. I'll okay, okay. Yeah, no, no, I'm just joking. <laughs>